Welcome to Favorite Attire, a podcast that aims to open up the conversation around sustainability, ethical practices, and fair trade in the fashion and beauty industry. In this episode, I welcome Amy Christensen, founder of Sana Jardin, a socially conscious fragrance company. We talk about her entrepreneurial journey, what makes her brand sustainable, and how she empowers indigenous women in Morocco and helps them become micro-entrepreneurs. Thank you so, so much for being with me here today. I cannot express how excited I am to talk with you. Obviously, I am biased because, you know, a lot of your brand has to do with Morocco, where I grew up. So I can't wait to talk to talk with you about it. Uh, how are you, first of all? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be chatting with you, Wiam, and so honored that you got in touch. So I'm fine. I'm in London. We're in our second lockdown, but, you know, children are in school, which is good for me as a person and I think good for society. So I can't complain too much. Amazing. Amazing. So before we dive in, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your childhood? Have you always thought about creating a social brand when you grew up? Tell us more about yourself. Uh, thank you for asking. Well, my background is in social work and I have worked in the nonprofit sector actually since I got my driver's license, since I was 16 years old. I started working uh, with children who were developmentally disabled and low income uh, and needed a respite worker. So I did that for the state of Illinois uh, when I was 16 through graduate school. And in terms of starting a socially conscious brand, I would not say that that was, you know, something that I knew as a teenager or young adult that that's what I wanted to do. More, my focus has always been really wanting to be of service to people who I felt like were less fortunate than than I was, and and always looking for the best ways to do that. And you know, of course, as I've grown over, those conduits for change, those vehicles for change have evolved. So I grew up in a little town outside of Chicago. Uh, so kind of, you know, I, I, I think we share a, a, in a small way, sort of a, some of the Canadian mentality, you know, some of the Canadian winters maybe. Yeah. And yeah I, yeah, I grew up in a small town outside of Chicago. And I think my, you know, part of, part of, or maybe a lot of the blueprint for what I'm doing today actually was starting by my grandmother, who in 1968 co-founded the United States Delegation for Friendship Among Women, whose purpose was to increase communication and help women in developing countries. And so she sort of tucked me in her suitcase and took me around North Africa and the Middle East. And I developed a great affinity for the region initially through my travels with her. And, you know, I think I also, she gave me also a roadmap of, of how to be of service in my life. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so for people who don't know about your brand, Sana Jardin is a socially conscious luxury fragrance company. Uh, you have perfume and candles collections, right? Yes, yes, yes. It's a. I know it's a mouthful. Yes, we have eight perfumes, eau de parfum. So they have a high concentration of essential oils. And then we have three candles. We're about to launch with two more. And they were developed uh, in partnership with Carlos Benaim, who's a master perfumer uh, and originally Moroccan. Great. So <laughs> you, 
your brand is very, very sustainable, and we're going to talk about that later. Uh, but first of all, walk us through the story. How did you get the idea, and how did you start, basically, from the beginning? So, well, well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my background, my professional background is in social work in the nonprofit sector. So uh, I got my bachelor's degree and my master's degree in social work. And the evolution of my career has been wanting to be as effective as I possibly can as a, as a human being, trying to empower people economically, specifically women. So I worked as a direct practice social worker for um, a couple of years in Chicago. And I started to realize that actually, you know, what they needed more than sort of one-on-one, at least in my opinion, talk therapy was was really access to economic opportunity. And so I pivoted in my career and I moved to New York and I started working for the Robin Hood Foundation, which fights poverty in New York. And then I ended up uh, moving to the Middle East, to Bahrain, uh, and then moving to London about 14 years ago. And I was an advisor for President Clinton's foundation, a pro bono advisor. And then I was the governing trustee of Tony Blair's wife of the Cherie Blair Foundation to support women entrepreneurs. And that post with Cherie was, that I would say was a catalyst for me to want to start my own brand uh, because I started to realize that actually if we harness the power of commerce and of business, we could potentially create more change than through traditional philanthropy and traditional charity. And I really got to see the positive impact that creating women entrepreneurs has on communities and has on societies. And so it was it was sort of percolating in my mind to, to create a social impact business. At the same time, I sit on the board of a of a charity in the States called Nest um, that works to make the supply chain more ethical and transparent in fashion. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if we can do this in fashion, I wonder if we can do this in beauty. And I've always loved I've always loved perfume. I was on an eternal quest for the perfect orange blossom that smelled of the orange blossom in Morocco or in the Mediterranean. And just you know, the books by my bedside table were always about the history of perfume. I was fascinated by the sort of sacred tr- traditions and rituals of flower harvesting. And I came to realize that a lot of the raw materials for for perfume come from North Africa and come from Morocco, country which is very close to my heart. And I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, this is this is sort of perfect. I spent a lot of time in Morocco and I always knew that I wanted to do something to try and help low-income Moroccan women. And it all it all came together in my mind. And then I and then I had to take the leap, uh, which was not which was not a natural step for me because, you know, I don't come from a business background, but I was, I'm surrounded by very dear friends who who are successful entrepreneurs or um, leaders in the social impact space. And, and they sort of gave me the courage <laughs> to start the brand. So I launched it in 2017. Wow. Your journey is so impressive and, and it really inspires me so much to create my own brand and I've always wanted to, if I ever create a brand, I, I wanted to have a social aspect. So 
So you talked about the rose, jasmine, and orange blossom, right, uh, in Morocco. So those are the bases for your fragrances. And, and your whole brand, you have a circular economy model. Can you tell us more about what's a circular economy model and how exactly do you turn those flowers to perfume? Yes, of course, with pleasure. So um, you're exactly right. In Morocco, so we source our ingredients for our perfumes from all over the world, just like any perfume you would find uh, next to ours on the shelf at Harrods or, you know, Net-A-Porter or Liberty. But our social impact work is done in Morocco. Mm -hmm. In the flower growing region there where they grow the orange blossom and the rose and the jasmine, the women there, they only have access, it's a rural community, and they only have access to seasonal work, meaning they only have access to work during the flower harvest, which is just a few times a year and they don't have any other employment skills and you know living in a rural community they don't have a lot of access to to different types of jobs or income generation so that was the problem so i started working with the raw floral supplier in morocco which is called les Arômes de Maroc. It's been an incredible partner for us and uh, so they've been wonderful supporters and started working closely with them to try and figure out a way to help the women. And so what we decided to do, and we call it the beyond sustainability model because we feel like it's beyond sustainable. What we decided to do was to upcycle the waste from the floral harvest and convert that waste into a line of products that the women sell. Uh, so they've become their own micro entrepreneurs. So if you picture orange blossom, you know, the women will harvest it, goes into a distillation machine, and out of that comes the oil that goes into our perfume, and then orange blossom water, which uh, you would know we almost, you know, masa hair, uh, which is commonly used in North Africa for baking and bathing and tea, and then also something called concrete, which is like a scented candle wax. So we give the orange blossom water and the scented candle wax to the women. Uh, we formed a cooperative for them, so to the women in the cooperative, and we've trained them how to how to be my, to to be entrepreneurs. So they have their own branding. Uh, we've trained them in marketing. We give them access to distribution channels. In Morocco, they keep 100% of the sales. They're self-governing, and that's what we. That's what we call the circular economy model and the beyond sustainability model. And so for us, it was really important to be, you know, when I when I was researching sustainability and it's so hard because it doesn't ever seem like there's one clear definition, but to me, sustainability meant leaving a net neutral impact on the environment and paying people fair wages. And I felt like we could do more than that. And I felt like if we were creative with our use of waste, we could empower the women at the base of the supply chain. So that's why we call it um, beyond sustainability and the circular economy. That's that's really, really interesting. And I have a lot of questions about what you said, one of them being just in terms of a business perspective. So you're saying that uh, you were mentioning that the, the women keep all the the profit yes themselves so then uh, how does that work with your own company and with your own profit so you do you pay so two different products so we so and i always exp i always like to think of it as like two different businesses and ultimately what i'm trying to do is illustrate that we can have an alternative business model that's a win-win for everyone who's involved so sana jardin um 
is luxury fragrance. And, you know, we're stocked in some of the stores I mentioned earlier. And that is a for-profit company. And that product is sold um, in luxury retailers. And then the waste from the flower production uh, is what goes to the cooperative in Morocco. And they sell their own line of orange blossom products and can and candles. So they keep all of their uh, proceeds. Okay, okay. Okay, so basically uh, they do the, the work part for you to get the fragrance and then the waste of it is not a waste. Basically it goes into other products that are sold in Morocco. Uh, yes and so they do the work they do the work they flower the heart they they do the flower harvest for the supplier Laserome de Maroc and they're paid uh, by Laserome de Maroc and then in addition to that we give them the waste and the training to become their to become entrepreneurs mm-hmm. yeah that's that's amazing because I know that coming from Morocco it's so amazing to have a job a salary a dignity uh, it really does make a difference it's it's very different than just getting money from charities uh, so I really respect that you do that and my question is because uh, you know doing research I found out that Africa is kind of a, a trendy place right now for brands uh, in terms of human capital and I was wondering then how do you work with those women because they're indigenous women uh, and you're 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 uh, training them so in terms of uh, language and cultural differences how does that work exactly that's a really good question and we haven't been asked that before so thank you for asking that so we start and that has been a you know that's been a process and an evolution um they're berber women i don't speak berber uh, i speak very limited arabic so in the beginning when we started working with them and we found them because they were employees of laser Homme de Maroc and they were self-selecting the women who wanted extra work then joined our group, which then we created a legally recognized cooperative for them that they operate under. And in the beginning, I would work with them. I would travel to Morocco and through the manager at Laser Room de Maroc, I would communicate to them. So it was through Laser Room de Maroc that we would communicate because I, I don't speak Berber. And then shortly thereafter, we partnered with the nonprofit that I mentioned, Ness, and they sent um, one of their employees over for three months to do the training with them and to show them how to make the candles, how to bottle the orange blossom water, how to do the branding, how to do the finances. Uh, so she lived there for three months working with them. And then now we have uh, an in-country director who's Moroccan, who manages the program. And then from a, a daily operations basis, we have a woman who uh, runs the daily operations, who lives in Morocco and speaks Arabic and communicates with them and because she's she's American uh, but she lives in Morocco and so she's the one who has I think the most communication with them and uh, we do this all in collaboration with with the you know local partner Laser Room de Maroc with their with their uh, one of their managers on their team so that's how we do it from an operational perspective does that does that answer your question yes yes absolutely um 
And then I wanted to talk about Leaping Bunny. It's a sort of certification, right? Yes. So Leaping Bunny, we just we just met their certification requirements. And that means that we don't test on animals, which we don't. And then we also have just, re, we started off natural leaning. So we were free of parabens, phytolates, artificial colorants, formaldehydes, a lot of the nasty that you find in perfume. But then we just, and that was how we started off three years ago. But then wanting to always be as eco-friendly as possible and, and listening to the consumer demands, which are changing every month <laughs> um, and becoming increasingly more focused on natural ingredients, rightly so. Uh, we've reformulated our products. So now they're all vegan. The reason why I asked is because, you know, when I ask people, uh, and, and I think that customers in general, me included, are clueless when it comes to those things. You know, when you buy a product, it says natural, it, it says eco-friendly, you know, those words, but you don't really know what it means. And sometimes those words can be written, but it's not true. Whereas like having a certification really shows that uh, it has been through a, a thorough process and, and that it's all regulated and we can trust that that company and really respects what it says it does. Uh, and my last question was just about your future plans with uh, Sana Jardin. How do you... <laughs> we have so many future plans. Um, you know, 2020 has Obviously, it slowed things down for everyone in many ways. Uh, so plans that we wanted to execute in 2020 have been, some of them have been pushed back to 2021. So essentially what we'd like to do and what's in formulation, so we have new product development. Um, we have two new perfumes that are coming out this spring, uh, two new candles that are coming out this spring and roller balls, so the travel sizes. And then we're also researching now uh, how to expand into home fragrance and bath and body, which I'm really excited about, which was always part of the plan. But due to COVID, we've advanced that and brought that, moved that sooner. So in terms of new product development, those are our goals. In terms of expansion, we're looking to grow in the United States. You know where I live in London, so we're a, we're a UK-based company. And our biggest market is in the UK, but we have our second biggest market is the US. So we're looking to really expand in the US and geographically around the world for many reasons, not the least of which is, you know, I think as a business, it's important to geographically be in diverse locations because now we see, <laughs> um, now we see that certain countries are in lockdown during at different time periods. And then from, from a social impact perspective, you know, my my first goal was to illustrate that we can create an alternative business model if we're creative with our use of waste and and we can empower people at the base of the supply chains and that we can use luxury business to do that. So, you know, that will always be my overarching goal. What I'd love to do, uh, but again, this was, you know, sort of put on hold in 2020. Um, I'd love to be able to, to implement this in 2021 is to expand the social impact model to other flower growing regions around the world. So India, for example, where we source our tuberose uh, and also to deepen the work that we do in Morocco, which we 
we had start we have started so in addition to the women selling making and selling their candles in their orange blossom water we've trained them how to make masks so they sell those now and uh, we have a new line of products coming up for them that they'll be trained in how to sell from the waste materials so you know increasing their income and growing the amount of women that we have in the cooperative in Morocco and yeah and trying to expand you know that social impact model around the world so i would say those are <laughs> those are our goals i love i love all of this this is i'm very excited for you this is all very exciting for people who want to uh, check out your brand uh, i know we mentioned uh, neta porte at some point but uh, where can people reach you so so you're in montreal so in we're launching in credo uh, in the us in Q1 of 2021, which we're really excited about uh, because, you know, that's a clean beauty shop and they have very stringent, stringent requirements. Uh, in the U.S., we're also sold at Veronica Beard, uh, NeimanMarcus.com, and then, as you said, Netta Porter. And then uh, in Europe, uh, in in the U.K., Liberty, Harrods, we're in Gallery Lafayette in Paris, But probably the easiest is our website, which is www.sanajardin.com. And we ship around the world. Oh, awesome. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Amy, for being here. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Shukran Katir. It was really so nice to chat with you. And thank you for reaching out. And very nice to connect with you, Weom. And I'm always here if you have any questions. Anytime. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too, bye! Thank you for tuning in to Favorite Attire. If you liked this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time!